scratch cards, the most worldly and humble of the lesser gambles. Although I'm far from being one of the people who are inexplicably and tragically addicted to them, scratch cards, they maintain a power over me. I like them. There's a particular method of playing a scratch card which goes far beyond the simple physical act of searching for gold beneath the layer of coarse latex, scarring away at that greatest gum of possibility. No, the correct, the only way to play a scratch card is to adhere with fearsome loyalty to the Caldwell system of gambling, which I will now describe. Firstly, you must buy a scratch card only as an impulse when buying other things, or bribing one day at the checkout with your hands full of milk, bacon, chili-coated peanuts, you'll glance absent-mindedly at the stand of colourful cards. You'll be immediately shaken with the intense feeling that you're alive and that nobody can stop you and that nobody can stop you from winning everything. Although, well, that's not to say that you feel confident. No, it's a feeling that's more wistful and playful in nature than confidence. It stands the reason that what you're feeling is a sense of faithfulness. If you're an atheist, well, this is the closest you'll ever come to detecting providence in your life, so put down your milk for a moment. Now the decision comes. Which card to choose? It's a simple matter. Don't make the common mistake of believing that the £5 scratch card is in some way superior to the £2 scratch card itself more honourable than the £1 scratch card. This is wrong. All scratch cards were made equal, uh, except the ones with money in them, which have been made rich. The people that create these scratch cards, these people, they have the most beautiful name. The Scientific Games Corporation. It's a beautiful name because such a name is one more glinting jewel of evidence that we live in a world that's the future already and that dystopia is redundant. In any case, the Aryan myth of a five-pound scratch card's nobility of breeding well, probably stems from the increased odds of winning. However, as we'll see, these odds fluctuating approximately between 1 in 4 to 1 in 3.5. These odds simply don't matter. Because success is mostly incidental to the following proceedings. In fact, to the untrained eye, the Caldwell system appears to want nothing to do with winning. The process can be more likened to having the crack. Or, I don't know, maybe theatre. So remaining mindful of the excess of customers forming behind you, carrying their milk, bacon, chili-coated peanuts, you should therefore choose the scratch card with the most modest character, invariably one of the one-pound variety. Now, this is part of the story foundation process. Now, if you should ever win big, uh, for instance the top prize on these purple ones is £100,000, if you should ever win big, you'll want the story to begin thus. You'll say, I won £100,000 on a scratch card. And your mother will say, Oh good God, was it one of those £5 behemoths? 
Nay, you'll say. "'Twas but a quid, a punt in the dark. A mother'll say, "'The purple ones? You don't say. I do, I do, you'll say. Oh, you're a meek one, to be sure, says mother. You won't forget your roots as a rich man. Oh, I certainly will not, you'll say. I certainly will not. Now, however unlikely this scenario may seem, it's important to stay honest by buying only the one-pound cards. Any other species, and a win, no matter how great, is inevitably polluted by the grandiose gesture of spending five whole pounds on a single card, and not to mention aligning yourself with that ubermensch bigotry of the more unsavoury scratch theorists who say that five-pound cards are better. No. You will recognise the card for you. Very easily. The one-pound cards, they're plain of colour and font, simple of conceit, sometimes adorned with ungainly mutant scrolls masquerading as cartoon pigs. You should buy one. You should buy only one. The following phase is difficult for those to whom it does not come naturally. You must put the scratch card into your back pocket. Uh, this, this is very important. And as soon as possible, you must forget entirely that it exists. The reason the back pocket is used and not the front, despite the obvious disadvantage, is that, above all, a principle of fatalism must follow the course of this card for as long as it remains unscratched. This means putting it in your back pocket to allow for the slim possibility that bodily motion will cause the card to slip out unnoticed on the pavement, in the restaurant, in the restroom. Yeah, yeah, granted, you'll lose the card in this case. But this too is part of the process. Like I say, this phase is difficult for many people to grasp, but, well, allow me to put it to you like this. Have you ever found an unscratched scratch card lying on the ground, on the pavement, in the restaurant, in the restroom? And did you pick it up? And did you smile to the blue and white canopy above you, as if the sky itself had provided the card? And did you spare a brief moment for the man or the woman who adhered to the back pocket routine, understanding all the while the possible costs? If the answer is yes, then you'll understand the adherence here to karmic fate. It's a feeling of universal destiny and the acceptance that one is subservient to events. This includes losing the scratch card, which, anyway, you've entirely forgotten about. Never mind, because someone else might find it while the world spins on. Sometime later, days or a week, or a month, something will occur, or some words will idly be said, and your brain will crack like a spark plug. The scratch card! The sensation of reaching into your back pocket, to feel for the thin sliver of theatre and hope, and finding it still there, with all its attendant possibilities, oh, that's a remarkable sensation. 
Do you see now? It is, again, for this intense, if short-lived, smile that the previous phase is indulged. This is an important point, okay? The practice of deferred gratification, that can apply even to the gambler, right? The gambler, a person imbued suddenly with a fateful and dreamy impulse at the checkout, can also contain within them the most wonderful cornerstone of discipline, a calm forgetfulness. Only now, when the mixture of remembrance and delight has compelled you into your back pocket for that card, is it time to scratch. The mathematics behind the scratching drill itself are well, difficult to describe in any brief way, uh, although you should be aware that this is a very precise mechanical operation. The preparations are the easiest part to detail, so let's do that. You'll need to find a penny, or a two-pence coin. It is imperative that you use only these coins. No other coin will do, uh, as, a, as an American or another nationality. The smallest equivalent denomination is to be used. The reasoning behind this is similar to that which prohibits the purchase of five-pound cards under the system. In fact, a disdain for all ostentation, like buying multiple cards, scratching them with gaudy two-pound coins, well, that disdain runs throughout the whole process. Scratching with your house key or your car key is certainly out of the question. Using your thumbnail, your fingernails, well, that's allowed, but only if they're not glossy with bright paint or adorned with tiny jewels. However, uh, should the fingernail paint be flaking off days or weeks after application, then we'll by all means scratch away. But ignore these caveats and conditions at your own peril. So, get your brown coin or your plain fingernail ready. Uh, many minds will have tried to reduce the optimum order of scratching to its base mathematical formula. Mm, let's be honest, there is no perfect tic-tac-toe solution to these flaky grids, and even the system I'm prescribing now cannot be said by any means to be perfect. Nonetheless, it is rooted in a simple emotive idea, that you must keep yourself in suspense for as long as possible while scratching. In the spirit of this suspense, it is perhaps wise to put down your coin right now, so that we may take some time out to describe the 10% rule. The 10% rule is simple. If a family member is in the room when the scratch card has been remembered and retrieved, then etiquette demands that you agree to give them 10% of the winnings, should fortune rule in your favour. However, uh, they should refrain from demanding their cut outright as, well, that's impolite. Still, it is equally, if not more, offensive to play the card without any comment at all to your brethren, or with a brusqueness that implies you don't care who won anything. Please, please practice caution if there's more than one family member in the room, because things may become dangerous.
now that loyalties have been mostly covered, the scratching can finally begin. Take the brown coin, or your unembellished fingernail, and scratch the card's grid methodically, taking time to consider each revelation separately. You might want to go for the prizes first, see what they are, and then scratch off the numbers. Remember, above all, suspense is the key to the technique. Since there are likely to be onlookers and the process involves a certain air of theatricality, it requires statements to be made and updates to be given and summaries to be provided. You know, things like, Oh, let's do this thing! Oh, we, we've got two one thousand pounds! Okay, okay, we've got, we've got ten pound and, uh, and a one hundred pound. That, that's a possibility. This is all not to mention the final flourish when the last possible digit is scratched and revealed, which should always be accompanied with a gambler's battle cry. A guttural, growling, come on, descending to a, nah, fuck it, when loss is incurred. Uh, for instance, come on, nah, fuck it. Should you win, remember to honour the 10% rule. But beyond that, the celebration is yours. I know of no process for winning, nor for being rich. Fate has either delivered you to riches, or placed you back in the line for the checkout. If you have lost, look over your card one last time, and remember the final act of the ritual. This is more important than any other. You must tear the scratch card directly in two. The tear is colossally significant. In this way, you've dismissed it all. You've dismissed the riches, the consumption, the possibilities. All the energy of the process might have led up to the point where, yes, a gruff cry of hope resounded throughout your home, but a shrug and a single swift tear, well, that's all that's needed to dispose of it. Do not tear the card again into quarters. You don't need to. Once is okay. The cars, the holidays, the clothes, the things, they're not for you. You didn't want a hundred thousand pounds anyway. This is perhaps the most necessary part of the process. That final salute to fate. At the end of a scratch card, as in all of life, remember the tear. <laughs>